are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Today we're in a sermon series called Released by the Cross. I'm really excited about this. I, this one, you know, I've just kind of Sometimes I'm just kind of like, well, this would be a good idea, and sometimes it's like, well, I feel like God really wants us to do that, and that's kind of how this series has been for me. And we're focusing on the Lord Jesus and why he had to die on the cross and what that means for us. And we're looking at it through the eyes of identity. When we understand what Jesus did, how much he loved us that he would go to the cross, but also what he did for us and what was released to us at the cross, it helps us to understand who we are and to understand what God's doing in our life and what He wants us to do with people, our ministry flows out of the cross to people. It doesn't come out of ourselves. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, but everything that we have good and that we have to give and to do comes out of the cross. And so we're kind of spending some time here. And I believe this identity that we're going to gain in this series is going to help us for what God's going to do in the future in the life of our church and our family. We're also using this series to stop and reflect on the Lord Jesus' death. We don't do that enough. Why he came to this earth, um, how he lived and was rejected and was tortured and killed for us uh, in obedience to the Father. You know, we're going to just pause and we're going to be looking at this throughout this series. And as I was preparing this week, I was thinking a little bit about the incarnation. You know what the incarnation is? Uh, John says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God literally, it was a miracle. God Himself, Spirit, took on flesh and became one of us. And by the way, that that was a forever deal. That was not a 33 years and then it's different. He, He took on flesh as part of His identity and permanently identified with us. And um, why did He have to have a body? It might sound like a silly question, but when I was thinking about the Incarnation, why did Jesus have to take on flesh and blood? Why did he have to to take on a body? And a few reasons. One is he was a physical picture for us of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he was a living, breathing picture of God in action as a human being. And he also came with a body to defeat death. You know, by one man entered into the world... Adam, and it was going to take a man to defeat death and the enemy. And Jesus did that as a cross, as as a human being. He did it. 100% God, 100% man. But that's another reason why he came back, to get us back on God's plan and to restore life and immortality to us. So the Lord Jesus, he's not just a symbol or a concept or an idea that's been taught throughout the ages. He's literally God in the flesh, come to earth. He died He was railroaded by the religious leaders, falsely accused, condemned to death on a Roman cross, and he died for us. Now, I want to talk a little bit about crucifixion. We didn't do that last week. Uh, Crucifixion, I don't want to be gross or morbid, but we we have to kind of talk about this today as part of the series. It's been around, it was probably around for a thousand years before Jesus came. It was uh, attributed to the Assyrians. They were a ruthless people. And they, they crucified a lot of people uh, when they would take over a city, conquer a city, they'd cru- crucify people. In Roman times, it was used to, the cross to uh, deal with capital 
offenders, people who, who sinned against the government or something, you know. And uh, probably millions of people were crucified at the hands of the Romans over the years. Um, they would, again, not to be morbid, just to explain, they would, they would nail your, your hands to a crossbar. Not your hands because it couldn't support your weight, but they would put it through your wrist. Careful not to hit an artery because the purpose was not to bleed to death, to kill you. They could have just killed you with a sword. But it was, a, it was an instrument of, of torture meant for you just to hang there for a long time. Some people would hang on the cross for three days and, and suffer and fight for life. And the, and the concept of crucifixion was when you're, when you're impaled on the cross beam, and it could be a cross beam against a tree or on a wall. In, in Jesus' day, it was on a, on a, on a pole. Um, you couldn't breathe. And they would... Um, your lungs would fill with fluid as you hung, and to breathe, you'd have to pull yourself up and take a breath as your back rubbed against that cross going up. And it was just, it was just brutal. And I always thought that you were, I always picture, you see pictures of Jesus and the cross, the three crosses on a hill. Uh, the way they did it in Rome was they wanted you to be at eye level with your accusers. So Jesus was crucified at Golgotha, the place of the, the head, it was called, and they would put you down low. And the, and the road or the passage would go above that to where you would be at eye level with the person being crucified. It was meant to humiliate you. And there's so many interesting things that happened to fulfill prophecy in that. And we'll talk about that as we go. But it was, it was, it was, it was designed for you to suffer and for you to be humiliated. And that's how the Lord Jesus died for us, on a, on a cross like that. Um, some interesting facts about the Lord Jesus' crucifixion. He was scourged before he was crucified. That wasn't always the way it was. I think Pilate, the Roman governor, and he, he, he hoped that they could discourage Jesus and the bloodthirst of the religious leaders would be satisfied, but that didn't work. He was scourged. They would scourge you with a whip full of bones and glass and metal, and it would literally rip the skin off your body. That was, that was the design. Dogs used to come up to get pieces of flesh that would fly off someone's body when they whipped you. That's what the Lord Jesus went through for us. It was, it, that alone could kill a person. And it was meant just to open, open you up from head to toe, on the back and the, the sides, and even the front of your body. Uh, when put on the cross, even though people lasted up to three days, Jesus was on the cross for six hours. Um, he was crucified at nine, and he died at three, which was the time of the daily sacrifice where the lamb was slain every day at three o'clock at the temple. Um, his torture wasn't just about the humiliation and physical pain, but he, he took on the sins of the world and was separated from the Father as he went through the scourging and the cross. This whole thing was happening at the same time. So that was interesting. And uh, do you know when Jesus was on the cross, there were physical manifestations that backed up who he was. Uh, Luke wrote that at noon, darkness covered the earth. Everything just went dark. <laughs> uh, the veil in the temple, the curtain that separated the holy from the most holy place, which was very thick, uh, ripped from top to bottom when he was on the cross. Uh, Matthew wrote that the earth shook when Jesus died, that rocks were split apart, that tombs were opened, and bodies of many saints were released and walked through Jerusalem and appeared to many people. There was a lot going on when Jesus died on the cross. 
And Roman soldiers, including the centurion, the leader, according to Matthew, said that when they saw him and how he died, he said, truly this man was innocent. Truly this man was the son of God. They, you know, some heathen guys saw this, this, this guy was God. They saw that there. And unlike others, he rose again after three days from his time on the cross. And I don't think God wants us to fixate on that. You know, some religious streams, you see Jesus always on the cross, you know, when it's a crucifix. And I don't think that's what God's wanting, but we have to understand that he was literally tortured and killed and died for us. He went through that for us. And it's our, it's our point of celebration because everything good we have came through the cross to us. And uh, that's, that's good news for us. And obviously his death had more impact than the death of any person in the history of the world. And it's interesting to know that, you know, a third of the world, 2.3 billion people, according to the Pew Research Center, uh, identify as Christians and as Jesus followers. A third, 31% of the world. So we're talking about his literal body and torture that he endured on the cross. And this puts on display for us everything that the Lord Jesus died to give us. And I want us to stand, and we're going to read 1 Peter 2.24, and I'll introduce our topic for today. So if we could stand together, and if somebody wants to read this for us, 1 Peter 2, verse 24. And he himself brought our sins in his body up on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. All right, you can be seated. That's a great verse. And uh, as he was on the cross, he brought our sins, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin, live for righteousness. And then it makes a statement, by his wounds, you were healed. And I, I, our point for today is this, by his death on the cross, God released healing to us and the power and authority to heal others came through the cross. And it's important for us to understand this, that what the Lord Jesus did for us, he did in his body. And a lot of times um, we, have the, we emphasize his blood that was shed for us, and that's very important. But when we understand the blood, but we don't understand the body, we, we realize that we can be, the blood provides forgiveness of sins, but the body provides uh, a release of healing in God's people. And we have to be able to embrace both. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, as people here at Inova, we're, we're learning to walk in the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus. We have a long ways to go, but we've seen some things. <laughs> and and we, we embrace this fact and we agree with it, that healing was released at the cross for us. Um, it wasn't just for the Lord Jesus as the ones who healed people. It, he wasn't the only one who healed. He passed it on to his disciples. I'm, I watched that... that uh, movie The Chosen. You know, for some reason, even though it's in the Bible, many places, usually you see Jesus doing all the miracles and the disciples just in awe. But, you know, I'm, I'm only like in season number two, and they, they opened this section, and said, you know, John, one day you're gonna, you guys are going to heal people too. And I thought, there it is. You know, <laughs> we don't always see that in the movies. They cover that up for some reason. But, you know, the disciples healed people. And this was passed down to the 72 that followed him. And he said, you're going to do greater things than I've done. You're going to do more things than I did, the Lord Jesus said. So, so for us, we're working past the bad images of charismatic evangelists on TV. <laughs> you know, we've seen a lot of, and not every charismatic evangelist on TV is, a, is you know, is, is 
is negative, but we see some weird things, you know, sometimes. Uh, maybe we've seen some extreme things regarding healing over the years, maybe some harmful hype. Um, we're also working past some bad teaching that we've had over the years. Hopefully, hopefully not here, but maybe, you never know. Uh, that says these things are not for today. And healing ended with the first century, which we know is not true. And there's just a, you hear a lot of weird theology from people in regard to this matter of healing. Uh, God doesn't want me to be healed for that. Sickness is my cross to bear. It's meant to purify me. God did this to me. Uh, or the superstar mentality that healing is just for the Christian superstars and not for each of us. I was raised Baptist and I got all of that. Especially that this is not for today. If you're, if you're expecting somebody to be healed, you're just barking up the wrong tree. And if they do get healed, it's probably not the Lord. I don't know why the devil would want to heal somebody. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's kind of what I was taught a little bit. So. so we're learning that this is part of the normal Christian life for God's people. That we walk in the power and authority to receive and to give healing to people. Um, it isn't just the proof of the gospel. It's the expression of the gospel. Because I believe that healing, it doesn't just prove that the gospel is true. It's an expression to the world of the love of the Father for us. And how he can be involved in our lives. I'll never forget the first time that I began to, to physically encounter the Lord and see him at work in my life and the lives of other people. And I thought, man, this is amazing. God's not bound. He's not just up in heaven with his hands folded, just waiting for all this to play out, and then he's going to get involved. He, he's involved in the world through his people, and we're the continuation of the Lord Jesus' ministry. And he's wanting us to understand this through the cross and to agree with it. And I believe when we pray for people, we're putting Jesus on display. We're letting people see him with love and power. So let's start here. We're going to kind of get in the Word a little bit. I, I've got more scriptures today than normal because I just want, I don't want you to think this is just me. I want to you see it in the Bible. We're going to talk about it a little bit. So um, we all know that healing was part of Jesus' ministry, Matthew 14, 35 through 36. It says this, when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival, news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Now we know this. The Gospels are full of examples of Jesus healing people. What are some of your favorites? Do you have any that you like when Jesus touched people and healed them? Anything stand out to you? The Gadarenes? Yeah. Yep. Okay, come forth. Yep, that's, I guess when someone's raised from the dead, that's a healing, isn't it? You know, and, and he healed blind people, and he healed people who were deaf. He had healed people of skin diseases. He healed people who were paralyzed. Jesus healed people. That's very interesting. And I believe he was demonstrating the fullness of the gospel, not just in word, but in deed through his healing. He was showing people in advance what's going to come through the cross, because healing somebody without dying on the cross would not have been good for them in the long run. It wouldn't have really made a difference in the long run. He was showing them what, what was coming through the cross, uh, his restoration and healing. And he was setting an example for his followers and for us. 
Now, healing was also foretold and illustrated for us in the Old Testament. Let's look at Isaiah 53, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It says that prophetically, six, four to 600 years before Jesus came, uh, he wrote this. He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being, that's important too, was laid on him and by his wounds we are healed. <laughs> you know? You know, it's, it's interesting, if you really think about it, you can look and see so many things that Jesus went through for us on the cross and in life, and how he, 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 he offers us the opposite of that, you know? In some ways, we participate in his sufferings, and we'll talk about that, and I don't believe that involves sickness. I believe that that's about persecution and, and other things that we go through. But he was humiliated so we could be honored. He died so we can live. He was accused so we can be released. He was rejected so we could be accepted. And he suffered in his body so that we can be healed in our bodies. And I believe that his body given for us at the cross, scourged and crucified, it carried our sicknesses and diseases. There's forgiveness in the blood of the Lord Jesus, and there's healing in his body. And if we just focus on the blood and the forgiveness, but we miss the healing part of it, we're, we're going to have an incomplete faith. Because I think there are, there are a lot of people in this world waiting for healing and waiting for a touch from God. And when you get a touch from God for healing in your body, your soul, and your spirit, man, it's hard to deny who he is and how much he loves you and how he wants you involved in, in, in with him and in his life. But a lot of the church struggles with this truth. Now, so we see it in Isaiah. In the Exodus, there's a couple examples I want to give you. The water, I don't, probably won't say this right, the waters of Massa. Uh, this, this is an account where the people of Israel were released from bondage in Egypt. They're wandering through the wilderness. It was very harsh. There was a pillar of fire by day and a cloud over them by, by, by day and a fire by night. The cloud provided this protection from the sun because the wilderness was very harsh. And they're wandering and there was no water. And they came to this place called Massa, and they began to drink the water, and it was bitter, and it was dangerous, and people got sick. And the people cried out to the Lord, why would you bring us to this water just to make us sick? So God told Moses, Moses to do something kind of weird, cut down a tree, throw it in the water, and that water is, will be made pure, and, and you can drink it. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard sermons talking about that tree being a picture of the cross being thrown in the water. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, but God used this incident to show them something about himself. And this is what he said to them. He, he ex it historically talks about what happens, and this is what it says. God said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight, obeying his commands, keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is very interesting. Um, it's, for some reasons, it's a stretch for many people today to think the Lord Jesus is the Lamb of God given for us on the cross would not just create a flow of healing for us 
in life, but that's what people struggle with. But this incident shows God's heart for us to, be, to walk in healing and health um, when we're in covenant relationship with him. And the, the name that God revealed, you know, different points of contact. God will have contact with somebody and they'll encounter him and then he'll reveal part of himself to, the, to that person or those people. And this one, we get the name Yahweh Rapha. Yahweh means Lord. Rapha means, it's a Hebrew word, it means to heal to make whole, or to repair. It's not just about sickness, it's also about injury. <laughs> and he says, I'm the God who heals you. Know me by this name. This is, this is who I am. I'm the God who wants to heal his people. Another example from the Exodus. You know, they had been in slavery for 430 years, and God re- releases them and brings them out. And a psalmist, later on, he wrote this, Psalms 105, 37. God also brought them out with silver and gold. They, they plundered the Egyptians. And there was none feeble among his tribes. And, and this, this is very interesting. You got 200 million Hebrew people coming out of captivity in Egypt. Uh, they've been slaves. They've been worked hard. The last part of it, they had to make bricks with no straw. I mean, these people, you think they would just be a mess. They'd be, you'd be pulling them out in, in carts and on, on stretchers and wheelchairs. But the psalmist writes, there is no feeble among them. Some, some translation says there is no sickness. Some says nobody stumbled. You know, take your pick. But how did this happen? Well, I believe it's about what we talked about last week with the blood over the door, remember? Exodus 12, you know, it says, moreover, take some blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the houses in which they eat, They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And you got this picture of the two things. You got the blood over the doorpost. Remember, we did that last week. That was kind of cool. And then while that's up there, they they are eating the flesh of this animal. It's the blood and it's the body. God's using both here in this situation. And the scripture's talking about the lamb that each Hebrew household was instructed to eat, But he's that lamb on the cross, giving his body and his blood for us. You know, remember that Jesus said that offensive thing once. He says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they got offended by that. And he was pointing out, it's not just the blood, it's the body. It's it's both that were slain. It wasn't just the the lamb's blood, it was the lamb's body as well. And Paul wrote this later, and we're going to take communion today, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But he writes this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he was given thanks, he, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread... And drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then it goes on to say this, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So a person must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize what? The body. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, 
and in number, sleep. It's about the blood, but it's also about his body broken for us on the cross. And communion points back to that Passover meal that they had in Egypt. You know, and communion's not a magic wand. We take communion and, you know, we do that and, just, and then God's got to do a certain thing. It's, it's not like that, but it's a way, communion's a way that we connect with him. Now, how many of you guys grew, grew up Catholic? Any Catholics in the house? You know, you know I grew up Baptist. I don't know, for some reason it was like the Catholics were our enemy. I don't know what it is about the Baptists, you know, but it was just, it was just this weird thing that the Catholics did it was wrong. And, and, and Catholics believe in transubstantiation. Am I saying that right? And I was always like, oh, you know, that's just, you know. And, I, and I'm not saying that's true or not true, but I'm saying there's more to celebrating communion and taking his blood and his body than I've ever realized. There's a connection point with him as we take communion. It's not just a thing. There's a connection point we have with him as we not just remember, but we identify with his body that was broken for us. And we receive things that he's doing as we take communion. That's one reason we take it. God's doing stuff in us and through us, and we remember, but we also participate somehow in, in his death, in his suffering, in his crucifixion as we take communion. It's, it's supernatural. It's, it's, it's beyond, it's not just a rational thing, you know, that, that takes place. See, the blood was for our forgiveness, but his body was broken for our healing. And we have to discern this in the cross. We have to understand there's more going on than just the blood for us. You know, then Isaiah comes, the prophet comes along in the Old Testament and he connects the dots. He was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. See, the Lord Jesus released healing to us through his death on the cross. Now, many of you in here have experienced healing from the Lord before. You know, there's been, many of you have been touched by the Lord and and he has supernaturally healed you in some way. I think a a lot of us have experienced that. For me, it was my back and my shoulder. You know, these, they were not huge things that my back, my lower back was just hurting. And, and I was at, uh, our youth conference where we, God was moving and I had to be able to stand up and I had to be able to walk and I was in pain and uh, the, the kids just prayed for me and the pain went away and I was good for the rest of the week. It was a simple thing, but it was, it was huge. Uh, my shoulder, I like to say it was from an old football injury. It was, you know, in the back lot of the church play, playing in the, in the grass and uh, I went, caught a pass and went down on my shoulder and it just was never the same. And there's even a little piece that kind of sticks out. There's a bump here. If you could feel my shoulder, it's kind of weird. There's a big knot there. It's still there, actually. And, uh, and I couldn't hardly raise my shoulder, and it would click. And it just was in a lot of pain. And the Lord just healed it. No one prayed for me. Nobody touched me. The Lord just, the guy was speaking. He said, you know, the Lord's healing a lot of you right now. And I thought, and my shoulder stopped hurting, and it was healed. And uh, just two little examples. And we don't make light of what doctors can do. We don't ever tell someone, don't go, go, don't go to the doctor or don't get medicine. But we believe that God can touch us and heal us. You know, we believe God can use doctors. But I believe that God wants to use his power even more in our lives to bring healing to us. You know, that's why we need to understand what God won for us on the cross. And to me, this, this, I get excited and it fills me with hope that God wants to be involved, not just in my spirit, not just in my emotions. Those things need healing. Not just in my, my mind, my brain needed healing and needs healing, but he wants to be involved in my body 
as well. And he won that for me on, on the cross. So we're learning how to walk in this and how to experience it. Now, the second part of this, we've got to grasp it as well. Uh, God didn't just release healing for us. He released to us the ministry of healing. He released to us the authority and power to pray for people and to see people touched by the Lord. Through the cross, he did this. Through the cross, he released the power and authority to heal. Now, even before he died, back, back to, the, to the Jesus movies, <laughs> even before he died, the Lord Jesus sent his disciples out, the twelve. And the 72 broke them into pairs that go out into all the cities. And what did he tell them to do? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils. This is what he told them to do. And he, and he sent them out to do this. And then after he died, he proclaimed something that we call it the Great Commission. What did he tell them to do? Go make disciples, heal the sick. Cast out demons. You know, I just wondered my Baptist upbringing, that the last part of that is kind of, you know, heal the sick. Or no, it was more like, uh, go make disciples. Heal the sick, cast out the devils. You know, this guy was kind of was mumbled, you know. And, and, and we, we, we receive an incomplete commissioning from the Lord when we don't embrace the whole thing. That he called us not just to preach and proclaim, and that's important, to make disciples, but to heal the sick. To release people from bondages. This came through the cross. It's, it's, it's part of who we are and, and what we do. Um, and then, then he sent the Holy Spirit to empower his people, and we just see it just take off in the book of Acts. I'll just read a couple of scriptures. That book of Acts is full of things. Acts 3, 6, and 8, but Peter said, you know, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus the Nazarene, walk. And he prayed for this guy. He proclaimed that over him. And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That was not Peter's first miracle. People had gone out into the cities with a partner to go and pray for the sick and heal the sick. This is just a, this is just a continuation of what was happening. Acts 5.16, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together as well, bringing people who were sick or tormented with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Jesus had already ascended. Acts 8, 7, for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed or limped on crutches were healed. See, we're getting the Jesus healed paralyzed people. Jesus had healed people that were blind, people that couldn't walk. We're seeing, these people are being healed. The same, same stuff. Acts 28, 8, and it happened that the father of Publius, don't name that your firstborn son, Publius, was lying in a bed afflicted with a recurring fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after he prayed, he laid hands on him, and he healed him. And there's more than this in the, in the book of Acts and, and throughout the Bible. Um, history tells us the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus has continued for 2,000 years. And we've seen it happen right here in this room. We've had people healed right in this room. You know, Debbie's eye. Uh, couldn't see color, couldn't see hardly anything out of it, was kind of going off to the side. And just in, in a moment of just praying, we, we prayed, and she could see color, and her eyes straightened out. And it's not 100%, but I think the way she described it was like 80% better than it was. And it was just in a, in a moment. Um, Melissa, had, who'd had fibromyalgia, couldn't get out of bed. We prayed for her. 
And, and the Lord healed that almost completely to where she could get up every day and she could go through the day and, and work. And she was, had a, went from having pain on her face, the pain was gone, and she, could, and she had a smile on her face. And to this day, it's still happening in her life. We've seen this. We had a girl come in here, uh, sit right in the front row, Nick, where you're sitting. On a, on a Sunday, that Friday, I heard a news report that somebody got run over by a car. Turns out it was one block off the street. It was that girl who had been in, in, in church with us that Sunday. And, and she was there, and, and she had tr tremendous brain damage and physical damage. And the Lord just put it on her heart just to take her into our prayers, and we prayed for her. We went to the hospital over and over, and we prayed for her. And uh, Will and I were even going through Kansas City, and we stopped at a rehab place and prayed for her in Kansas City. And, you know, of course doctors were involved and other things happening. But she, she made a complete healing, and it was amazing. And you go to her, and, you know, saliva's coming out of her mouth, and she just not even, it didn't even look like her. And God took that and just transformed her and healed her. And we saw healing take place. It was, it was, it was a progressive healing that God did in her life. See, this, this fits our vision and values as a church. Our, our mission statement is this. We exist to worship God and love people to a transforming relationship with the Lord Jesus. And that transformation is about every part of the, of the person. Physical, spiritual, emotional, soul transformation, everything. And, and I believe we're going to see more. Because at the cross, God released his power and authority to heal. When people are healed and set free, man, the Lord's glorified. People smile <laughs> and people come to him. It's easy to follow a God who has touched you and healed you. And I think we're going to see more of that. Now, here, here's the conundrum, and we've talked about this before. I also believe not every person we pray for is going to be healed. Now, it sounds counterproductive to say this, but we want to make everything black and white. You know, has the kingdom of God come? Yes. Is the kingdom of God coming? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's, it, there's, there's overlap, and it's, it, it, can, it, can, it can be hard for us to define exactly sometimes. So I would say this, you know, not every person we pray for is going to be healed. And I don't understand that. And I think we contend for healing, and we're going to see a lot of people healed. But I don't know any ministry, even the famous ones, where every single person gets healed. But I can tell you this, we're going to see a lot of people healed because it's God's heart. Why would he release something to us on the cross that we don't experience or walk in? You know, he did this for us to walk in. So we're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to pray for those who are sick and injured on Sunday mornings in our church. Very simple. It might, it, God might give a word of knowledge through somebody. We might just stop the boat and, you know, we might just pray right in the middle of the church. We might do it during our... our um, Testimony time, we might do it at the end of the service. But we're going to continue to pray for people. And, and we're going to believe that God gave us the authority and power to heal. And we're going to pray for people. And we're going to do it tactfully. We're going to be naturally supernatural. We're not going to be kooky or weird. But we're, we're going to be people that, that believe and agree that God has released this to us. With a whole lot of other things that we're talking about. It's not just about healing. Uh, we're going to do it at work. We're going to do it at school. <laughs> We're going to do it in the neighborhood. We're going to do it in our family. That can be the hardest sometimes, you know, uh, believing that the Lord Jesus released this to us. I was at work the other day, and I don't work as my ministry ground, you know, and, there was a, and I don't always do it right. Sometimes I get intimidated or choke a little bit, you know, and I'm walking in with this lady, and, 
and she's limping. And I, I said, how are you doing today? And she goes, man, my knee is just, is just killing me. And she's limping bad. And I'm thinking, I should pray for her. Then some other people came up, and I just like, oh, okay, I missed it. And then Friday, Friday or Saturday, I can't remember which it was, she was out there loading her truck up right next to me. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. So I walked over to her and said, hey, how are you doing? And she said, you know, well, you heard about my husband. Uh, he died of COVID in October. I had no idea. My brother died this summer. And, uh, and my knee is just killing me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, huh, that's a, you just got a lot. And we just talked. And, and uh, well, I, I said the seven words. Can I pray for you right now? <laughs> And she said, sure. I've, I've rarely had a person say, no, I don't, want, don't do that. She said, that would be great. So we just, right in the parking lot, she's sitting in the mail truck, I'm standing outside the mail truck. And I said, you know, and it, it can't be an elaborate, drawn-out prayer in the middle of a work day, surrounded by, you know, scores of people running around working. So we just stopped and I said, you know, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, just touch my friend. Lord, you care about what she's been through and what she's going through. You love her. And Lord, would you just touch her knee? And Lord, would you bring healing in Jesus' name? Amen. 10-second prayer, you know. And then she went to work, and I went to work, and I've not seen her since. So I'm just, I'm just I'm, you know, I'm expecting some good things, and we'll see. But that's just what we do. We keep, we keep praying and reaching out and ministering to people. Again, we don't hype it or act weird. We don't make declarations that we can't back up. You know, as God begins to heal people, there's, there's times I give a word from the Lord, and I know that I know that I know. There's times I give a word from the Lord, it's kind of like, yeah, this could be the Lord. I think, I think it could be, you know, and I'm not going to be... You know, I'm not going to be authoritative when I say that. I'm kind of like, yeah. And some of those ones that I think were the Lord, but I wasn't sure when you give them, it's been more the Lord than the ones I felt really strong about, you know. So we don't, we don't, we don't make a lot of weird, kooky declarations. We just tell who the Lord is, and we pray. We might even say something like, you know, I've seen people heal before when we prayed for them at our church. Can I pray for you? And that's honest, you know. Um, we just move in confidence, and we're naturally supernatural. Um, and we're going to continue to provide training, like we're doing on Wednesdays right now with our spiritual gifts class, of how to pray for people and how to walk in these things. So what can we do to make this a part of our daily lives? Let me just give you a couple things real quick. Uh, this, this one's really important, and in the, in the first one is agree. We need to agree <coughs> with God's desire to pour out healing in us and through us. We have to agree. Lord, this is what you want. So I'm going to pray. If we're not sure, it's going to be hard. We have to agree with him. We have to agree that he made it possible through his death on the cross for us. Okay? Uh, and his desire is to heal people. God loves the people around you and he wants to touch people. But he wants to touch us. Then we take opportunities as we see need or we hear God move or tap us on the shoulder. There'll be times God just taps you on the shoulder to pray for somebody. Uh, we need to operate in faith, and this is, a, this is an area where, we'll talk more about this later, where we've seen this kind of skewed a little bit, that if you just have enough faith, or you don't have enough faith, or, and we, you know, we just have, enough, have to have enough faith to pray for people, and we need to have enough faith to take some risks and step out, and God honors that. We have to operate in faith, though. There's, it's risky. Praying for my friend at work, I've done it a million times, but I, but I still get that little feeling in the pit of my stomach sometimes, honestly. But I just trust the Lord and I move forward with it. And then finally, we need to share stories. As, I, as we enter in a period, which I believe, and I'll just say this as best I can, I, I, I really believe and think that as we agree with the Lord 
and we're faithful, that we're going to see him move in healing more and more in the life of our church and in our families. It's just his heart. That's what he wants. It's part of the gospel. It's part of the gospel. His body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us. It's all the gospel. So today we're going to celebrate an aspect of this. That's right at noon, but I thought, let's take communion together. This is good for us, you know. And I know you've got a lot to digest, and you have questions. Men, ask questions. I don't have this all figured out, neither do you probably, though you might have some things to share that would help us. Um, and you might have questions. But uh, Amy, Esau, would you mind coming up? Amy shared something really, really cool with me last week, and I thought, you know, we, let's just go ahead and talk about healing today, and, and uh, I learned some things. You are a very knowledgeable person sometimes. A, a collector of random facts. <laughs> Dr. Amy, which is true. It is Dr. Amy. So uh, we were talking about the communion last week. This is a piece of matzo bread, and, oh... 20 years or so ago, I was very interested in learning about Jewish history and Jewish culture because, well, Jesus was Jewish. And part of that was learning about Passover. And when we, the the Last Supper was actually part of a Passover ceremony. It wasn't just some random, you know, let's just eat together. No, it was part of the Passover ceremony. And Jewish history is rich in tradition and ritual, and in that tradition and ritual, there are great, there's great symbolism. And so matzah, part of the Passover ceremony, is part of that symbolism. So I don't know if you can see it. Well, maybe, uh, let's see. Can you see that there are holes in the matzah? And what is the, the pattern of those holes? Can you see that? Are they random? So. They kind of make a stripe, a row. And you can see it more from the back, actually. It, it, yeah. well, Maybe. It's, I, if you could see light through it, it would really, <laughs> it would show up. Yeah. Um, Matt, would you put the Isaiah scripture up again, please? Um, well, I think just the last one. There you go. So Isaiah talks about Jesus pierced and crushed and in some translations it would say by his bruises the brown on here kind of looks like it's bruised and in one of the things that I read 20 years ago that I couldn't find again I was talking about rabbis who insisted on matzah being pierced and striped or the, the holes being in stripes and it has to be brown because that means it's completely cooked, baked. Um, there's a special kind of wheat that is used for matzah. It's all about keeping it pure from uh, leaven or letting it rise. And so um, that's part of, you know, Jesus was the perfect lamb. And so part of this ceremony, the Passover ceremony, the symbolism is just incredible that this is the body of Jesus. And this is what Jesus was saying. This is my body Hmm. that is crushed. The wheat is crushed. It's pierced. It's striped. It's bruised. And then it's broken. 
Amy. That was great. Isn't that interesting? You know, sometimes even when people don't even know everything going on, you know, the Lord just kind of puts it in, you know, to, to understand and go. And that's kind of neat. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we ran out of the little sealed cups that we had during COVID. So communion's up here, the juice and the matzah crackers. Amy brought those in for us. So um, Will's going to play. I'm gonna, just going to pray for us and come up and get it. Don't, don't take it yet. Go back to your seat or go somewhere in a room or wherever you want to go. And we're going to take communion together. But I'm going to need you to come get it this time, if you don't mind. So let's pray and we can, uh, we can do that. Is that okay, Will? Okay. <laughs> let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you take us from where we've been to where you want us to be. And you've done that through the cross. So, Lord, as we celebrate together, Lord, would you just release your presence today? Holy Spirit, come. Would you release healing, forgiveness, Lord, victory over sin, <laughs> just the things that we need today in your presence. And, Lord, we're excited because of all the things that you've done for us that we're going to celebrate today. Lord, we love you. Come, Holy Spirit.